We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day podcast. It's Thursday. We are another day closer to hopefully getting the taste of that terrible Week One performance by the Green Bay Packers. Out of our mouths. I am one half of your Thursday crew, Jason Perrone. You can also find me over at Game On Wisconsin. I do the Quick Slides podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. With me, as always, on the other side of the U.S. is Mark Eckel. Mark, are you at all recovered from what you watched on Sunday? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got the taste out of my mouth from drinking a lot of scotch. So, <laughs> well, there you have it. Well, around around the world, because we got another uh, good round of weather here, and I don't know if I'm going to oh, go perfectly from east or from uh, east to west, but we'll start with Robin Erickson in Oslo, Norway, as we always do. So it sounds like uh, actually he's um, he's in. Skagerik, I'm sure I did not pronounce that correct. It's between Norway and Denmark. He's on his way. He's on a ferry to Copenhagen. 60 degrees Fahrenheit, gray skies, wind at 13 meters per second. So quite a bit of waves. That's windy, right? It would seem like that would be windy. Yes, for sure. It's windy there. And then our friend Ricard in Sweden holding up a glass and uh, toasting to uh, the outcome of the Swedish election there. He said the nights are cold, low of 50 degrees during uh, in the daytime, high is uh, mid-60s, if we're lucky. So it's cooling off a little bit over there in, in Europe. And then our friend, we have two from Germany. We have Istvan, and we also have our friend Felix over at the Vineyard. So he said um, it's a little cooler, low of 55 Um and a high of 66 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not too bad. I guess it's not that's not warm for us, but it's not too bad. Um, more rain expected in the next couple of days and then some windy conditions. So, you know, I guess the wind is picking up there a little bit. And then I don't know where Istvan is himself. It's pretty well. He says same thing. Temperature 64, 48. So Western Germany. Um, he's back from his vacation. And then Giraj in Brussels, Belgium. 65 degrees, heavy rain the whole day. So pretty consistent. Yeah. And I do, I, I always appreciate, as I say, I will never take for granted, I always appreciate them converting Fahrenheit to Celsius. Oh, yeah, because would, it would take us half the show to figure it out. Half the show at least. So that is our European contingent. I think I got everybody in there. And so that brings us stateside to Myrtle Beach, where Mark Eckel resides. What's happening at the beach this week? Beautiful, beautiful weather here. 80. Uh, not humid at all, sunny, uh, just just perfect weather right now. Nice. You're in pretty good shape there. And then in Green Bay, where Paul Brettel sits, 81 degrees, partly sunny. Wow. Not too bad, huh? That's pretty good for Green Bay, isn't it? Yeah, humi- 70% humidity. Now, Isaac Hanks, our meteorologist friend in northern Illinois, in Hampshire, Illinois, says um, after a brief brush with early fall temperatures and temperatures in the 60s back to sunny summer like weather 70 to 80 for the most part and he said because i was talking about how it's been a lot hotter and it's still hot in phoenix and all that kind of stuff but he said among your three locations the hottest summer award goes to myrtle beach followed mm-hmm. by green bay while phoenix actually had a slightly cooler summer which we did because we had rain for such a long time every day it actually kept us under 100 when we were normally in the 105 to 110 range so it sounds like, according to the averages, you had a warmer than usual summer by more than the rest of us. Oh, it was. I told you. But see, again, um, 
I live on the beach, so I get that. I notice it just from going like in front of my building, like to go get my car. Mm-hmm. Like there are days I go outside. Got if I'm going somewhere, I got. I'll be like, man, it's it's hot. It's really hot. And then I'll come back home and I'll like either go on my balcony or go out to the beach or pool. It's a ten degree difference just from the front to the back. I mean, just because the, the ocean breeze makes a makes a huge difference. It really mm-hmm. does. Yeah, I wouldn't live inland. If I, you know, living here, I would not want to live in land because it does get hot. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a really noticeable difference. Yeah. Hot and humid during the summer, humid. Yeah. And it's humid, but that, like I said, that breeze makes, it just changes everything. Makes it anyone, anyone who's ever lived on any coast knows that, that, you know, it, it, it's a, it changes everything yeah. for the good. I mean, so anyway, yeah. what, 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 so what do we have out in Arizona? Yeah, it definitely does. 95 sunny. We're still, we don't cool off until after Halloween. So it's still going to be warm. It's going to be in the nineties for me and, and still summer-ish out the here Cardinals in the Phoenix. The had the roof closed last week. Uh, they always do. They're terrible. Oh. And it didn't make a difference. They closed. They, you know, they, they say that, um, you know, the original Cowboy Stadium had a, a hole in the roof so God could watch his team play. Right. The Cardinals closed the roof to keep God from having to watch them. So play. God doesn't want to watch them. Does not want to watch them at all. So, yeah, no love lost between me and the Arizona Cardinals. You know that. And then our friend Harry and Kamloops said that he called it the death of summer, said the wildfire smoke from California and Washington has actually provided shade until the storms show up. So Thursday, high of 77, which is still pretty warm. But later in the, this coming weekend, it, the lows are going to get down to 43. But he says he's still wearing shorts as an act of resistance. <laughs> There's a lot of people in uh, in in I remember in, in Wisconsin that would shovel their their driveways in shorts in the middle of January because and they were always in shorts because they just refused. They're like, I don't care. I'm fighting it. <laughs> so that's that's what they did there, but I love stuff like that. So we're into we're into fall here, and that means that the Packers season is kicked off. And I know that a billion different shows and things have already been said about the Packers game, but we haven't had a chance to share any of our thoughts. We obviously aren't going to go deep dive because a lot has already been said about it. But just really quick now, and I guess from the perspective, Mark, of being four days removed from what we saw on Sunday, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm disappointed in the way that the, the Packers played. I, you know, you never. I, you know, I'm never happy after they they lose, especially if they lose to the Vikings, a team I dislike more than any other team in the league. But it's the first week, so I'm not going to get. But remember, I said this to you last week or two weeks, whenever we talked, that I hate. Op- I don't. I don't think anybody should open with a division rival. I really don't. And the Packers. I mean, and I know a lot's been made of this, but when you don't do much in preseason. And you don't, you know, and I don't know what they do in practice, but it didn't look like they did much in there either because they just seemed so out of sync. Mm-hmm. You know, Rodgers and the receivers were not obviously not in sync all game. The offensive line was not in sync. The defense, which we were all all we talked about from the day after the draft until last Saturday, was how good this defense was going to be and how oh my God they got they're going to do this and that and you know and I was leading it I was banging the drum. But they were out of sync. They're blown, blown coverages, miscommunication. Mm-hmm. People said in the past, oh, they had pressure. I, I love this. I love people that tell me about pressure. Packers got a lot of pressure on Cousins. And what did it amount to? They had one sack. One sack. I don't hear about pressure. That's, that's the most useless stat ever. Oh, other than yards, yards gained. That, that's, that's up there, too, with useless stats. Points scored. But I don't care about yards. And I don't care about pressure. Here's where I care about pressure. I only count it as a pressure if Rashawn Gary pressures Cousins into an interception or pressures Cousins into intentional grounding or pressures Cousins where he just throws the ball out of bounds. If he, It's not a pressure when he still completes a 15-yard pass. Mm-hmm. That's not a pressure because the Vikings made a good play. I don't care that he came close to getting No, that doesn't count yeah. in my mind. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. And pressure, that's a dumb, meaningless stat. I'm tired of hearing about, oh, they got they percent of percent of pressure. Percent. That's just a made-up stat by these nerds that never played football, never did, never probably never even watched it. They sit in their basement and come up with these analytical stats that make no sense. Right. They had one sack. That's what counted. Rashawn Gary had a sack. Nobody else had a sack. And they had no turnovers. Defense played terrible. Mm-hmm. Because this, they're supposed to get this. This pass rush is supposed to get sacks. The secondary is supposed to cause turnovers, and they didn't do it. They had one sack, no turnovers. My thing, 
with the game after four days is that I still I, I had to take a step back this year because I told you what I thought the record was going to look like more closer to 11 and six, which is a step back from what they've had the last three sure. seasons. And so in order for that to happen, they're going to lose some games that are going to really frustrate us. Hopefully Sunday was one of them. We got one of those out of the way. But that was against a pretty good opponent. I mean, I don't think the Vikings are the best team in the NFC, but I put them above average. And I think as a division rival or division opponent, too, that was going to be a tough game on the road. So maybe that's that's just a regular loss. That's not even one of the befuddling losses that we're going to suffer in the, through the rest of the season, but one game at a time here. But now you've got the Bears coming up this weekend, and they beat the Niners, and we can talk about that a little bit as we break down the defense against the Bears offense. Week one, obviously, like you said, the anomalies, all sorts of weird stuff happens. I think if they play 10 times, the Bears, they'd be lucky to win a second game. And, and there, you know, maybe it was week one, maybe it was partially the field conditions being wet, whatever it was in, in Soldier Field. And, you know, good for them. You know, and actually, honestly, if you think about it, I know that the Niners aren't as scary as they have been in the past because, you know, it's not Jimmy G anymore. You got Trey Lance in there. And I don't know if they're going to make yet. a quarterback change. I don't know if they're going to make a quarterback change, but their defense is still pretty good. They still have some pretty good weapons. The Niners could still end up being a really good team this year. I would, I still am more worried about San Francisco than I am Chicago. And that means that's after last week, too. So good. I'm glad the Bears beat them. That's, you know, one that's one loss for the Niners that they probably weren't expecting and none of sure. us were. And so that's good. And I'm sure they're very glad that Minnesota beat us. So but I don't know that we're going to get any better clarity, even if the Packers go out and curb stomp the Bears this weekend, because I still think the Bears aren't going to be very good this year. And it's in Green Bay. So, yeah, you expect them to have a huge bounce back. Now, last year, when they came back home and played the Lions on Monday Night Football, I was in the house for that one. They didn't they slept walk through the first half. It wasn't yeah. until the second half that they came on and pulled away and and made it more comfortable and and it was everyone was happy and you know dancing in the rain it was raining at Lambeau but the Lions came out and went down and scored in their first possession and actually had a lead early in that game there so I think anything is on the table this weekend from the Packers not looking great at the beginning and coming on strong at the end to coming out and just like I said boat racing the Bears from start to finish or somehow they managed to lose again to a much lesser Bears team at Lambeau. And then you got two divisional losses to start the season. I mean, I'm obviously talking worst case scenario here, but even if they win, I'm still going to be sitting here next week. If you ask me, what do you think of this team? I'm still going to be holding both hands up, kind of shrugging, because it's like, I don't I don't know if I can take anything away from this week and last week. It's only two games, and clearly this team needs a, a little bit of time to to find itself. And two years ago, they started with the Vikings, Mark, to your point about starting against a division opponent. Two years ago, they started with the Vikings and they, they had a pretty good day and pulled away from Minnesota and ended up winning that game there too. So the NFL would look at us and say, well, Hey, you know, they've swapped wins in, in the last three years, three seasons. So I guess it, it's not a bad idea to have teams start well, off against thought, division I mean, I, opponents. I, again, I listen, you know, it's not like you don't know your schedule. Like the schedule comes out in what may. So, I just think that it bothers me that they weren't prepared and, that, and, and they, I'm, I'm sure they, in their minds, they were prepared, but mm-hmm. they certainly didn't look prepared. <laughs> and I, you know, like I said, I'd rather be the Eagles playing the lions or the, the Ravens playing the jets or the even the Rams playing the bills. I mean, I, you know, I'd just rather not open it. And there were some other, there were a few other division games last week, right? Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati played, played Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and oh. lost. Jeez, that game was that game you know, was as many have said was drunk, just absolutely I mean. crazy. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I, I you know, it, whatever. My, my, my I don't know. It's a, the schedule is what it is. What I want to see out of the Bears game this week, and we'll and this can lead us into talking about uh, what we're supposed to talk about the, deep, the Packers defense versus Bears offense. Um, I just want to see a, a more concerted effort on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see the offensive line. Be a little more co- cohesive. Now, we'll, our you know for the news of the day, when we, as everybody knows, we we tape this Wednesday evening. Um, it goes up Thursday morning. The first practice back after the game, everybody practiced except John Runyon Jr., uh, who's in concussion protocol. So you didn't you didn't you didn't think he would practice the first day. We'll see if he practices Thursday and Friday. Well, and but, um, Chris Barnes is on IR, so we're not oh, counting yeah. him because well, he's not on the roster now. They they put him on injury reserve yeah. and brought up Caleb Jones, but. Yeah. But, I mean, Lazard was out there. Bakhtiari and Jenkins were out there. Good sign. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to play, but if they weren't out there, and they certainly wouldn't play, but they were out there 
the big, the good news, real good. The Quay Walker looks like he's fine. He, he was he was full participant in practice, so it looks like he'll be he'll be good to go. Yeah, Kayshawn uh, Nixon Keyshawn was a full Nixon. participant, so he's he's back. That shoulder, that stinger looked. Pre- right. I don't know if it was a stinger. It looked pretty bad. It looked like a stinger. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and then uh, Domofsky put up some other notes here. I know that we're doing defense today, but Lazard practiced for the first time since he got stepped on two right. weeks ago, so that looks looks good. I don't know if he don't feel play or not. And then Bakhtiari and Jenkins um, both did individual drills on Wednesday. The team portion was closed to the media, so right. they don't know if he practiced or not. They'll, they'll find out tomorrow when they talk. Yeah, you know, talk to the coaches. But um, getting back to what, what uh, you know, I want to see the offensive line. Well, whether they, I mean, you know. Like you said, if they win, you still don't. You'll still have, you'll still be shrugging. But and I maybe too. But I I do. I just want to see the offensive line, which I know is good and good and and is better than they looked last week. I, I want to see them play better. I want to see Rodgers and his receivers be on the same page more often. Now a lot of it was on Rodgers. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just blame the young receivers. I'm gonna blame Watson for the first play of the game when he dropped the touchdown pass. But that was a great ball. I can't blame Rodgers for that. He threw a, a beautiful pass, you know, deep ball. For those that were worried about Rodgers being able to throw deep, well, he threw deep on the first play of the game, and the kid dropped it. But but after that, there were, you know, and everybody's been putting it up on, on social media, you know, plays where he had Tunyon open. He had one of the kids open, and, he you know, he didn't see him. He was looking here or there. Uh, a couple of times he held the ball a little too long. Rodgers didn't play well. Let's be honest. He he admitted himself, and he just he did not have a good first game. And you know, so I expect him to be better. But now let's get to the defense, which is what we got to talk about. More times than not, and all, and I, I've covered football for I covered the Eagles for 32 years. I've been not I don't want to say I cover the Packers, but I've been writing about the Packers for the last five years now. I'm a guy that puts it on I I coaching is coaching you know I always say players win games and players lose games more more so than not I think I don't I I think Joe Barry was out coached by the Vikings offensive people last week a lot mm-hmm. um I, I'm not I don't know I, I didn't you can't let I know I know the players made may have made mistakes and there was blown coverages and miscommunication miscommunication and some of that but some of that's got to be on why were they doing what they were doing? What Jair Alexander has to be around Justin Jefferson all the time, all the time. I guess he a play here, a play there, maybe or something happens. But I mean, I, and I and I read all of Floor's quotes and Barry's, but oh well, you know, and then you have listen. I covered Buddy Ryan's defenses early in the early on in my tenure covering Eagles. Then I spent a lot of time with Jim Johnson. In the later part, you know, of my Eagle, but under Andy Reid and all those years when yep. they when they were very good, and Bud Carson, I covered Bud Bud Carson's the Eagles defenses, which were very good. That's three very good defensive minds. They matched up. They didn't they didn't make excuses. I mean, under Buddy, Eric Allen covered the best receiver on the other team. Mm-hmm. Under you know Jim, when he had Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent. Troy covered the fan. You know, most back then, you know, most teams would have a have a speedy receiver and then a big receiver. Troy covered the fast one, and Bobby covered the tall one. You know, that's and then they would give help, safety help, whatever. But that's the way it was. There was a clear strategy and a clear attitude week to week. Whereas I think you're what where you're headed here is that the Packers just seem to be trying to outthink themselves every week instead of just saying this is what Play we are. Ball. 
I mean, I listen. I'm not a defensive coordinator. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm 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 a retired writer, but I covered enough football. And like I said, I learned from guys like Buddy Ryan and Bud Carson and Jim Johnson where. It's not that hard. To, the Packers have three excellent corners who are very diverse in their skills. Mm-hmm. Jair gets the best guy. Stokes gets the fast guy. Razul gets the big, strong guy. ABC. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Play man-to-man. Let those three cover. Blitz some guys if you want to blitz, get a little pressure. I mean, do whatever you want to do. But you have three very talented and well, Stoke, well, yeah, Stokes is for a first-round pick. I mean, I'm sure he's making – all three make pretty good money now. Jair is the highest-paid corner in the league, right? Rosal just got a new new contract, and Stokes gets paid like a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Let them earn their money. Don't play zone. You, you play zone when you're not good, when 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 you can't match up. When you have, you know, those bad – like, you know, Kevin King and, and, and Darius Randall at corner. Then you play zone because you're afraid to play man because you're, you're, you're going to get killed. Play man. Now, this week they're playing the Bears. Bears receivers aren't very good. So I don't know what – I mean, you do whatever you want against them, I guess. But but when you have – I always like – good coaches play to their strengths, whether offense or defense. I mean, Don, Don Schuller, right, the winningest coach of all time. When he had Larry Zonka and Jim Kick way, way, way back, they ran the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. And let, and, and, and let Bob Greasy, you know, manage the offense, throw a pass here and there. Then when he had Dan Marino, oh, he ain't going to run the ball then. He threw the ball all the time, mm-hmm. right? You play to your strengths. The, the Packers' strength, in my opinion, is they're three very good cornerbacks. So let them play to that strength. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking going out there and, and playing zone against a Vikings team that has the talent – to very easily beat zone. I mean, you've got Justin Jefferson, who's a one-man wrecking crew, and he was against the Packers on Sunday. And he's beaten the Packers a couple times in the past, so it's not like he's surprising us. We know Dalvin Cook is really, really good and speedy as as a, a running back. And I know we're talking about like the, the coverage. Adam Thielen is a smart, heady wide receiver. You can say he's lost a step or he's not what he was before, but that smarts, it's almost like the Jordy Nelson factor. He may not be the quickest, fastest, but he knows where to sit and go and be open. And but make- Razul would have taken him out of the game. And making some plays. So I don't know if that was the Packers being arrogant and saying, I think we might have a better opportunity to, to play zone than other teams and we can match up and we can figure it out and they can just, if they get beat, they can make up for it or whatever. I, I, I have no idea, but it does get a little bit easier this week. And I will tell you, as far as the, the Bears go, first of all, it was not favorable conditions to throw the ball much. So Justin Fields only threw it 17 times. He was eight for 17. He only completed eight. He only completed eight. Yeah, he had a he had two touchdowns, one to our, our former friend EQ. <laughs> Equinemius St. Brown's only uh-huh. catch of the game was a touchdown. And then he threw another one to Dante Pettis. Their leading receiver last week, for all the Packers fans who are, are upset that it wasn't a wide receiver for the Packers, David Montgomery, the running back for the Bears, he had three catches for 24 yards. He was their leading receiver in terms of how many passes he caught. Pettis had more yards, but Montgomery got four targets, caught three balls. The rest of everyone else had one catch or no catches. That was he was the Pettis only one with one more than one catch. Right? He had no. He had he had the long touch. Yeah, it was that was his only catch too. The 51 yarder. Right. That was it. Pettis can run. Pettis is you know, St. Brown. Come on, they, they Packers can't let St. Brown beat him, can they? Until I see better, anything's on the table. I, I have I have no idea what the Packers plan to do or what they're capable of. And if they were just, you know, saving all their best for the home opener, I don't know. But they now have a reputation for these clunky opening games. But, you know, then next year they'll get they'll end up at Lambeau in week one and they'll come out with their hair on fire and they'll say, Oh no, we're fine. We're good with openers. Maybe it's just road openers and, and the reason and everyone talked about it too, and one of the reasons why they think that the Packers were so competitive in 2019 because in 18 they won the opener in Lafleur's first game, but it was seven to three. It could not have been a less less offensive fireworkish type game. They beat the Bears seven three on that. I think Graham had the touchdown. That was it. And Amos had the the game ceiling interception. But in 2020, it was the the year coming off of COVID. There's no fans in the stands. Nobody had preseason anything. Everybody was really on a level playing field. But the Vikings right. really didn't play much of their starters in in. Uh, in the preseason either. So I think it has a lot to do with the vibe, the mentality, the confidence. We've talked about LaFleur. I talked about it on quick slants and said, hey, it's one game out of 17. I'm not going to sit here and make it sound like I'm 
throwing up the sirens and, and waving the flag of, of concern, there's still plenty of time for the Packers to be okay. But we now have enough of a sample size. We have three full seasons and an opener now of where they failed and how they failed. And when they do, they just look just butt ugly doing it. They just their yeah, their losses right. are their losses are never like oh man it was by a fingernail and and you get beat on the last play of the game. There's a couple. They've had a couple like that, but they have more. You're right. They have more of these like Sunday's game, the Saints game last year, the, where they the just blow game. it in every every facet, and it's just like there's no redeemer at all with some of these games. And and it's the Vikings. I get it. You know, the, you came up against a really tough Niners team in the playoffs. And, and in 2019, they lost both times to the Niners pretty bad. But San Francisco, I think, was just a much better team that year. Okay. And and then, you know, that they, they that loss to the Vikings in 2020 at Lambeau, that was a weird one on a windy day. It's just like, you know, they they just they just have these performances where you're just like, who are who is this team? Like I don't, I don't understand what it is that. Well, here, let me say this about last week. As bad as it was, right? And and we both agreed that we we we've just gone over the effort and this and that and other thing. I still think if Watson catches that pass, it's a different game. I yeah. think that set the tone, good or bad. I mean, and I know what you're going to. I say what you're going to say because I I what you're going to say when, when we talked about this off the air. I mean, you know they that they didn't put that play in Sunday afternoon. No, that was that was all week. All week they said we're going to listen. Our first play is going to be this, and whether it's the first play of the game or the first play of we, the Packers, don't know if they're getting the ball or, or kicking off, you know, until they flip the coin. So, but they knew that their first play was going to be a bomb to Watson. They probably put that in maybe two weeks prior. Who knows how, how soon? And how long in. has it been since you've seen a Packers receiver that wide open behind the defense? I can't remember. MVS, even with MVS, somewhere. but even with MVS, for some reason Rodgers would always throw him, underthrow him, and then he, you know he couldn't take advantage of the of the separation. But it well, just he did. So, I mean, MVS had a share of bombs, so I mean there was some. But I mean, I, so they put you know if he catches that and it's a touchdown, I'm not saying the Packers win the game. I don't know who knows what happens after that, but it just it just set the tone and it, and it just from there on it was just like oh man. And Rodgers, you know how Rodgers gets. You know, he, he didn't throw to him again until there was four minutes left in the game. Right. Yeah, he gets he gets really frustrated. I mean, he was frustrated on the sideline. Yeah. He wasn't as as demonstrative. He's been saying all the right things. He understands they're young wide receivers, and he's got to work on getting in sync with them. And he had some nice things to say about Dobbs and Christian Watson. Interestingly enough, when he was asked about Amari Rodgers, he's like, well, Amari's returning for us, and that's about all I've got for you there. So Amari Rodgers. Well, yeah, well, he didn't play a snap. And I'll, just tell you, I'll just tell you right now, he's done. He's he's done as a receiver. Amari Rodgers is a special teams player on the Packers. If he can't if he can't do anything on special teams, they got to get rid of him because he can't play wide receiver. He's he's done. The Apparently light bulb's not, not going to go off. He's not going to improve. He's not going to get better. This kid cannot play receiver. Straight up. So you, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Jawan Winfrey. You know, if if he's going to be that good on special teams, you keep him. And if he's that good of a returner, okay, that's fine. But he's not that good a returner. Jawan Winfrey caught a ball uh, on on Sunday, and and I know that Rodgers has more confidence in him than he does in Amari Rodgers. So take take See, that think, take that for what you sense. will. Now I know why those rumors that were out there. I mean, not rumor, oh whatever you want to call them. Like after the Chanel got traded from Jacksonville, and the rumor was that the Packers were involved to Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I should have known that, right? Um, he, well, he didn't play much. Well, I guess he just got there. He didn't know the off. You know, he has to take it's going to take time. But the rumor was the Packers were talking to Jacksonville. And I'm thinking, wonder what they were, wonder what they, you know, what the deal was there. Why didn't he? And, same, and then Jalen Rieger, the Eagles trade him to the Vikings. Well, now, now it all makes sense. If they would have gotten either one of them, maybe they were offering Rodgers for them. Yeah, maybe and the, and the other team said no, we don't want him. We don't, we don't want Rodgers either. Because I was wondering, neither one of them went for much. I mean, you know, it's not like Carolina or the or the Vikings gave up a lot to get either Chenault or or Rager. and both of those guys are return guys. So I think if the Packers would have gotten either one of them, Rodgers was gone. Yeah, well, and I think they probably offered, and I think Rodgers to Jacksonville might have been a. That would have been a good trade, Rodgers for Chenault, or um, yeah, for Chenault because it would have, it would have reunited Rodgers with his college quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, I don't know how much the, that. I don't know. Well, that seems to be the thing to do now, right? I mean, Devontae well, Adams wanted to go play with Derek Carr. And, yeah, um, but if you're Doug, if you're, Brown wanted to go play with Kyler Murray, and <laughs> if you're Doug Peterson, do you want to put your job on the line and trade away a good receiver for a guy that that can't even get on? He the got field? nothing for him. He didn't get anything for him. All he got is six and a seven. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's I not like let's see what Jacksonville does with that six and seven. I mean, who, who are they going to? I mean, I'm just saying, it's not like he got a lot for Chanel. They didn't obviously Jacksonville didn't want Chanel. So they gave him away, but they don't want Rodgers either, obviously. Well, what I was going to say, which you alluded to a little bit earlier, is that the Packers have to stop doing this thing where just because something goes wrong, a receiver drops right. a ball, they give up a touchdown, something bad happens, a guy gets hurt, something like that. They can't just do this shrivel up and, and curl up into a ball thing. You know, like this, the the idea that they mentally just they get checked out and they get just get like, you know, pistol whip when something bad happens and they can't recover from it is just it's like the kid on the playground I said this to you off the air it's like the kid on the playground who misses his first shot playing basketball and takes the ball and walks away and 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 like you know leaves the game like you've got to have more moxie and perseverance in you than that and this is this is what I'm watching Matt LaFleur for this season is how does this team because they're going to have have other games where they're not going to things aren't going to go well they're going to lose more games they're going to have to come back bounce back they might be tough losses or you know games they want to win or they might lose to a lesser team they have to be able to bounce back and let it go and still be able to compete and play to their level they can't just shrivel up like like they did and let that that, that that song and dance is getting old and it's going to no, be right. it's going to start to become more of the hallmark of Matt LaFleur's teams where they're just and, and this happened a little bit during the, the McCarthy years after the Super Bowl. They were they were known as being these front runners. You know, look at at 2011. Oh, the offense was so good. They were they were always ahead. They barely had to play from behind. So that terrible defense they had in 2011 didn't matter because they didn't have to hold on to anything. They were always ahead by two scores. Right. Well, it's it's not like that anymore. Now that the the defense has to hold serve and they've got to play well and protect the lead. And they didn't do very well. Like you said, we, we kind of broke that down against Minnesota. And I'm really curious to see what the plan is going to be against the Bears. Now, it's a you know, it's a lesser quarterback. They don't have the, the receivers as far as receivers. It's Dante Pettis, who you said is he's, he's speedy. Now they have. um EQ St. Brown, Darnell Mooney is still there. He only had one catch for eight yards, three targets, and Byron Pringle. I mean, those, those, you know, and Cole Komet's a good, good tight end, but he didn't catch a ball. He had had one, he had one target, no catches at all. And they've still, and then, and then as far as running backs, Khalil Herbert caught one ball for minus two, and then you've got Montgomery as, as the, you know, the feature back there. So the Packers should have an opportunity to, at least play better. I don't know if they're going to play great, but they they have a chance well, no, to play de- better. If this defense is and if you know, if this defense is what they say they are and what they think they are and what everybody has written that they are, they need to just they should just shut the Bears down. Mm-hmm. This should be whatever. I'm, I don't. I'm on, the offense, like I said, is still. It should get a little better this week. I think, especially if if Lazard's back. Um, Tunyon has a game under his belt now. I'd like to see them use him more. Love to see Aaron Jones get more than eight eight touches, but defensively, there's no way that there's no Justin Jefferson on the Bears. There's no Adam Thielen on the Bears. There's no Dalvin Cook on the Bears. Right. Montgomery's a nice little all around back, but you know, stop him, make Fields throw, keep Fields in the pocket. Don't let him beat you running the ball either. I would spy him actually. I mean, you don't have to. You shouldn't have to worry about guys in coverage. I would. I might let Walker spy Fields, man up those receivers. And get after the Bears' offensive line isn't isn't great, so I, I like to see Gary and and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark and you know Jerron Reed, you know get after Fields a little bit. They need they need to they need to create some turnovers here. They need yeah, some, they need help. some swag. I mean, they need some swag going into that Week Three game against the Bucks. And I'm not trying to it's overlook the Bears, but the Packers should win this game. I mean, the line is ten points. So, like you said before we started, Vegas clearly doesn't care how bad the Packers looked against the Vikings. They still see right. the Packers as way better than the Bears to the tune of minus ten. Yeah, they, no, man. They've got to they they have to get some confidence going heading into that game against Tampa because that might be a long show, Mark. Because we're going to have a lot more to talk about yes. when you when you talk about defending Tom Brady. Because whether you're playing man or zone, he's going to find a way and yes. he, he's going to have an opportunity to beat you. Now the question is because 
they looked pretty good. The, did the did the Bucks against the Cowboys? The question is, was Dallas in Week One mode because they were playing at home? They still have Micah Parsons and a decent front there to be able to get after what I thought was going to be a, a more accessible Tom Brady with some of the offensive line issues that the Bucks have. But the Packers have to, you know, sandwiched in between two tough games is one that's very winnable that they have to have at home. And I I think they'll get it. But I, after what I saw last week and the way that this last season ended, I mean, if you take out the Sean Mannion game that where they where they beat the Vikings, you know, and, and this is partially my fault for not researching and looking it up, but I can't even remember who they beat before that. That was legitimate. I mean, it's it's Tennessee. been a, it's been a long time. Wasn't wasn't that Tennessee game like last year? Two years ago, that was two seasons. That was two seasons ago. They beat Baltimore. They didn't play great, but they beat um, they beat Baltimore and Cleveland late last year. Remember? Well, the Cleveland game was not was ugly as well. That was on on Christmas, and they very easily could have lost that game. And and Baltimore, yes, they they got a huge win on the road, but it was Tyler Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson. So well, by the way, he did. He did. But, you know, I mean, it's it's like we're really digging back. We're going way back here to try to find, you know, a, a quality game where the Packers played a, a solid game. And I and look, it doesn't matter to me. Just win. I don't I don't care. I don't care if they win. Real good win was the Rams. Probably. And they beat the Rams. Pretty good. That was a good win. They played well. That was a good, you know, the Rams won the Super Bowl. So they beat a good team. Then after that, they they blew out the Bears who would have you know, Bears weren't better Bears. Then, then the Ravens and Browns back to back. Then the Vikings with a backup quarterback. And then they, the Lions game didn't matter, and they lost. And then they had to buy and then come out and lost San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's what do we got here? I mean, where's where is the perseverance for, for all of the the decoration that Matt Lafleur gets and all of the accolades that he gets? And he was one win away from being historically good had they beat the Vikings in Week One. I don't remember who the, he would have surpassed or been in very elite company with. The, his teams just don't show me anything that get get me really excited uh, when it really matters. I mean, they've beaten the you know yeah you beat the Rams you know they beat the Rams in the playoffs two years ago they beat they beat the Rams those those were both at Lambeau Field and they've had some good you know they've had some good games they won in San Francisco last year they showed us something when Bakhtiar or uh, when Elton Jenkins was out that was Yash's first start. You know, he neutralizes and takes care of, of uh, Nick Bosa. And they, they beat the Niners. And that was big. That was a big deal. That was a game that they, they weren't expected to win that they did. But Matt LaFleur's team, and, and, you know, last year, remember last year, too, he had that heart-to-heart with Joe Barry and was like, hey, you got you to gotta do something for us and help us out here and get aggressive or figure out what your game plan is. And I tweeted out on Sunday and said, maybe that heart-to-heart should just happen now. Like, let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. If that's what you have to do every year, by the way, Matt LaFleur, you're the one that hired Joe Barry. So, and when you did, in fact, when that hire happened, you, me, and Paul were recording. Yeah. And I, I mentioned it in the middle of the show, and I remember just waiting for a reaction, and there was at least a half to a full second of silence because. Well, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Because that was, if you remember. They wanted Leonard, and Leonard said no. That's how we began the show, talking about Leonard saying no. Right. But in all the rumor like after that, it was supposed to be. It was according to reports, it was down to three people, and I don't remember. Leonard was one, obviously, and he said no. And then the other two were Barry was like fourth, if I remember correctly. I forget who the other two were. One was the guy who was um, he was also a Rams assistant, who I think ended up either getting promoted by the Rams or going to the Chargers. Barry kind of came out of Barry was in. I mean, they obviously interviewed him, but. He wasn't considered one of the favorites. And then all of a sudden he was the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's I remember when we were, doing, we were like, that's why it was like, wait, they hired who? <laughs> right. So, yeah, that kind of took us a little by surprise. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I want to, I thought Joe Barry had a terrible game last week. I did. I gave him, the, when I do my, at my analysis after the game, I give a defensive a hero and a zero and all, offensive and all that. He was. I gave him the defensive zero because I just thought his game plan was was awful. He let he, you know, he let the one guy that you can't let kill you kill you, and then he went and then he also ran a lot of light boxes with two down two down line. That's when Cook hurt him a little bit. 
So, like, the Vikings were ready for – I mean, the Vikings coach, offensive coaching staff, their game plan was much better than Joe Barry's game plan, and, that, and, and they won that battle, and that kind of led to the Vikings winning the game. Um, now, the defense – I'm not going to blame the defense totally for the loss because the Packers only scored seven points, so you can't ask the defense to have a shutout. The defense did play better in the second half. They only allowed six points in the second half, so they did do some things better. Um, but this defense, like you said, you know, they this week I expect a big effort. I expect a couple more sacks. I expect a couple turnovers. I mean, you know, the, you have to get if but the Packers turned the ball over t- twice last. Rodgers fumbled. Rodgers threw an interception. The Packers defense didn't didn't get the ball back for him at all. So that's that's minus two on 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 that level. Packers also got sacked four times, only had one. That's a minus three on that level. So I. They're the important stats to me, sacks, turnovers, and then points, obviously. But I expect the defense to come out, shut the Bears down, give the give the offense good field position. Offense goes down, gets some easy points. Now, you know, put the Bears in a hole. That kind of takes the running game away from them a little bit. Make Fields throw to that group of receivers that we already talked about isn't very strong. Right. And and then and then Cruz. Win this game going away. Pressure. I think you got to be. You got to be more aggressive. Get just send the pressure. And yeah. I know. I know that you're asking. I know that you're asking for some trouble because David Montgomery's a good running back, and Justin Fields is a mobile quarterback, and he can run. And and I think that can create problems for the Packers defense. But this is where you see. How did you feel like? I know you didn't like the defense overall, but how did you feel about Quay Walker in Week One? Well, he played well. I thought so too. I and and I know he's banged up a little bit here, but I think. You see now what they have that they have not had before, which is somebody that can at least slightly neutralize some of that running threat if if it happens. So if you're going to send a you know a DB on a blitz, or you're going to send an extra linebacker, you know whatever it be, or, or Devondre Campbell, whoever it be, or maybe it is Quay, you know, send some additional pressure. You've you've got the guys in the middle now to to mitigate what can happen if you. If you have any issues or if, if Fields is able to escape. But I, I feel like with Chicago's offensive spy, line. To, I, I would use Walker as a spy on Fields. To your, to your point, though, the offensive line, if it's if it's not very good, like, I, you know, I don't know if you need to spy a guy who's getting collapsed on. And I and I, I well, really do. And I think Kenny Clark is way better than any of the Bears offensive linemen. Oh, yes. And so, and, you know, Jerron Reed had a decent game. TJ Slayton is is eating up bodies, and he's able to clog some things up there, too. So, I just, for some reason, I don't think I don't think Joe Barry had a very good pulse on where some of the strengths of his defense were. Now, the defensive back thing and playing zone, that's just just almost negligent. Like, that, that again, I don't know. We could sit here for, for days and come up with theories, and I don't know if any of them would hold water as far as what really led to them wanting to play zone in that game. But you've got to have a, a sense of what your, your team and your players are good at. You know, I mean, Jair, Eric Stokes, they can both man up. And I think Rasul, to an extent, can as yes. well. But that's not his, his strength more. Rasul's strength is more on what's in front of him. So I don't, I don't know – how good things go if, if he gets taken deep, and I think teams will try to test no, him you, that well, way. You don't put him on the you don't put him on the on on um you know the burner. You put him on the big the big strong guy, right? Even a tight I, I might put him on the on um the the tight end, right? Command. Well, and that's but to your point though, like take a page, and hopefully they listen to our show, Mark, because take a page for some from some past defensive coordinators who are highly successful who have great resumes, who are some of them in the Hall of Fame. Uh, as far as, look, this is what your assignment's going to be. Uh, you, you tell them in, going into week one, you're going to take the biggest guy every single week. Don't 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 worry about coming to me and saying, you know, what's the scheme? What's the play call? Whatever. Whoever the biggest guy is, you're going to take this guy. You're going to take the fastest guy. You're going to take, yeah. you know, and that's, that's what it should be. And I'm not saying that you just, you know, you simpleton it like that, but sometimes the solution it is, simple, is yeah, but that's, yes. Sometimes the answer simple, is, stupid, right. That's the old, the old line, right? It is easier. Sometimes the, the, the simplest, most obvious answer is actually the answer. Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur. Don't overthink it. Don't outthink yourself here. So as far as attacking, I mean, that the, the big thing right now is, is, is they're, they're going to have to try to avoid, getting gashed once again by a running court. But this is why you got Quay Walker. And I will tell you another thing, too. Didn't play very many snaps on defense, but the uh, I saw some good hustle out of Devontae Wyatt. 
as well okay. in his in his few snaps too. He he hustled and ch- chased down a couple of plays from the backside. He was, I mean, you know, he still needs time, but but I I thought that he I thought that he did okay. So it's it's the Bears. I don't know how much else we can sit here and and really pontificate as far as what the Packers need to do. They need to hit him in the mouth is what they need to yeah. do. Like you said, they like need just to jump out, just jump out and cruise. Right. Here's another thing I would do too. And I know, I know analytics, analytics, that's what the way of the world is now. And it's all it does is help, help you lose games. But if the, if, if I'm, if the Packers win the, the toss Sunday night, or I guess the bears will call it. So if the bears lose the toss Sunday night, give me the ball. I, I, you know, all of a sudden everybody kicks off now to start the game. Well, guess what? Packers kicked off and it was seven, nothing. Mm-hmm. Take the ball. Give me the ball. Let me go down and take a seven, nothing. I'll worry about the second half and the second half. Give me the ball. I want to go down and take the lead. Yeah. Nobody, you know, and overtime you don't give the ball up, do you? No, no, of, of course, course not. I'm, I'm being, I'm being no, crazy I give, there, but you know what I'm saying. Everybody kicks off now because they try to get that double. Well, we'll get the ball at the end of the half, and then we'll get the ball. Just, you know, every last year I, I had the stat going where the Packers always elected to kick off, and I think like I think it was 12 times in the 17 games last year. The other team scored first, got the ball and scored on them. Mm-hmm. Whether a field goal or a touchdown. Well, that would have Give been a great ball. that would have been a great idea if Joe Barry and if they had an, any clue what they were trying to do on defense or if they had a decent game plan. That would have been a great well, idea to start out I on got defense. The MVP but a quarterback, right? just, my, my my quarterback's the MVP. Justin Jefferson. I mean, he walked into the end zone. It was embarrassing. It was that that first drive was really really putrid. That was not good. No, I mean in the whole first half, but you know they let them, they kind of let the Vikings dictate the game. Yeah, and again the other play, the other play besides the drop, was fourth and goal to one. They got to get in there. I, I don't, I don't. Colin runs out of shotgun and just all the things that you don't do well and teams don't typically do well. I just don't, I don't understand it. I really well, don't that understand. Was a, that was a run option, I think, and that's one play where Rodgers probably should have thrown or kept it himself and he could have jogged in on, on, a, on a little bootleg. Yeah. You know, they, they, again, the Vikings guessed right and won that battle. Yeah. But again, Dylan might have to, you know, he's a big boy. He's supposed to be able to get through there. Yeah. He did on his other touchdown. He did run, run people over. Well, I mean, he's got, you know, he's quadzilla, but when you've got, you know, three or four guys meeting you at the no, line of scrimmage, right. like that's, that's a tough task. That's a, that's a big ask to, to make and you know water to the bridge I mean that one that one's over with at least they got the you know the good the one good thing is they got the road game at Minnesota out of the way and we won't have to see that building again for another at least year probably longer so now we move towards the and I guess before we we sign off here as far as how things are going to go I think we didn't officially do it but I think we both said we thought the Packers were going to win I said it on the show but then by the time we got to Saturday and before the game I was not feeling like the Packers were going to win but yeah, I did well, when, I, when I heard we, you know, when we did the show last week, we were still, there was still hope, maybe faint hope, but hope that Bakhtiari and, and Jenkins were going to play. Remember, we were still talking, oh, they, mm-hmm. they both practiced, and then it came out Friday that Bakhtiari didn't practice, and mm-hmm. he said, oh, she ain't playing. Yeah, I have a, I, yeah, that was, so was I that mean, what it was? Switch, the Packers went from favorite to underdog. Right. Morning. Yeah, oh, it so flipped. That, that told you something. A point and a half to a point and a half. So was that it yeah. for you when you found out on Sunday they weren't playing? What's that? It was that, yeah, was that I, what it was? They weren't playing. I was still, you know, I'm always hopeful, but I, let's put it this way. A friend of mine called me and said, hey, I like the Packers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet the Packers. What do you think? And I said, no, nah, no, don't bet them. So I got saved him some money. Yeah, I had I had a couple friends that asked me if I should start the Packers defense, and I was like, not in week one. I don't know enough about them. And Justin Jefferson, like, I I didn't feel good about that, uh, that matchup. And I, I was like, man, I'll feel terrible if they end up with, Three turnovers and, a, and the Packers well, run helped, away with it. Well, you, you helped your friend. I did. Oh, I definitely did in a in a major way. It would have been bad. It would have been definitely been bad. So this week against the Bears, point spread aside, and and let's assume let's just assume Jenkins and Bakhtiari neither of them are going to play, so that we can make a, a you know a fair assessment here of of what you think. What, how do you see this one shaking out? I thought I got. I think I think they win. I'm going to say twenty-one seven. Okay. Wow. I, I have them scoring 28, but I, I see it more okay. like uh, 28 to 21. And I know 21 is a wow. lot of points. That's a lot of points for the Packers to give up to a bad Bears team. That's, yeah. that's But I, I just. So you think the Bears cover? We've seen it before. Well, and there could be a special team score in there somewhere. 
<laughs> so, hey, special teams was running. They didn't. They didn't do anything. They they weren't terrible. So they're due. They're due for their terrible <laughs> moment. And but you know, get that bad moment out of the way in a game that the Packers are going to win anyway. So that's fine. Don't you know? It's it's like it's kind of like that Eagles game a couple of years. Yeah, Rager brought the ball back for a touchdown, but the Packers were in pretty good shape, and they uh, they they but did. They okay don't have Devin Hester anymore, right? No, or or Grant. Who who uh, had a big day against them last year too, which was you know again that's that's more than more than we need to deal with and more than we need. So hopefully some of the the stank of last week gets uh, gets washed away as this one takes place on Sunday night against the Bears at Lambeau Field home opener. Crowd's going to be wild and crazy. Just don't do the wave because otherwise the quarterback's going <laughs> to chastise you in the in his presser afterwards. He's going to get all upset and and butthurt that people are doing the wave at Lambeau Field, which, listen, if you're on offense uh, or if they're on offense, you shouldn't be right. getting noisy. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know why we would need to tell anybody that uh, in, in particular as far as especially seasoned Packers fans. But, you know, try to keep the noise to a minimum if you're going to be in the stands at Lambeau. Get loud so. when the Bears have the ball. Get loud when the Bears have the ball. That's right. Real simple. So Packer reports up now, upcoming. Uh, well, up now is still my analysis of the game, but coming coming soon this morning, uh, Thursday morning, depending on when you're when you're listening. Um, I just have a little bit of a Sunday night football Packer history. Um, just how they've done on Sunday night football. They played the, they played the Bears nine times on Sunday night football, more than any other team. Um, they're eight and one against them. Mm-hmm. And then some uh, interesting Aaron. I don't want to give it all away because I want people to read it. Some interesting Aaron Rodgers. Sunday night football stats. Nice. Very good stuff. Well, and I'll have quick slants for breaking down the game on Monday morning for everybody who is inclined to check out what's going on over at Game on Wisconsin. The Quick Slants podcast will be out on Monday morning, and I'll talk about the game that was. Hopefully, it's a much better vibe than was this last week, actually. And I don't know if you, you know him, Mark. I had a nice conversation with Eric Thompson, who covers the Vikings for the Daily Norseman over at SB Nation. I don't know him. And a uh, great conversation with him after the game, just kind of talking about it. even he was caught by surprise as far as the, you know, the ease that the Vikings had. But he's also very level-headed and understands uh, the Vikings and their history. And if you go and follow Eric on Twitter, take a look at his pinned tweet. He's had it up for years. It's a Venn diagram. One circle is people who have nice things. The other circle is Vikings fans. And I'll just ask you if you think there's any intersection between those two circles right now so thanks for riding along everybody this has been the thursday edition of the pack a day podcast we will be back at it again next week on thursday enjoy the game everybody stay safe wherever you're at and as always go pack go Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.